Hi everyone, it's Stephanie Mason from Cutting Through the Noise and today we are here with a really uh, incredible person that I've managed to meet this year um, called Barry Stevens. Actually, it wasn't this year, it was last year I think we met. Seems like it was this year. Feels, so feels much like a couple of years now, Steph. It does, it does feel like a couple of years. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, so we've got Barry Stevens here who's the CEO of the Fellowship for the British Hairdressing Council. Thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome, pleasure as always. Thanks, pleasure. Barry. So um, just to give everyone a bit of a background, uh, you know, Barry, uh, as, he, as I said, he's the CEO at the Fellowship and we um, personally met uh, a few years ago at Salon International and we've been having lots of incredible conversations this year. And uh, today uh, we're really, uh, here to talk about, you know, I guess the biggest elephant in the room, which I would say <laughs> uh, is, you know, what's happening with the industry in and around freelance and um, and 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 uh, yeah, the changes that are happening. And uh, you know, Barry, you and I have talked about this in in great length. We have um, over yeah over the year, and uh, you know, I just wanted to get you on here just to sort of talk about. You know, I guess, what are you seeing in the UK at the moment um, in terms of changes? Um, what what's uh, what impact is it having on the industry? And, you know, where do you where do you see it going? You know, right. Well, I have to say thank you for giving me the million dollar question in hairdressing in the UK <laughs> at this <laughs> ungodly hour in the morning in the UK <laughs> to fit in with your social life in Australia. Uh, but, uh, hello, everybody. Um, I think we'll just have to take one step back from the freelance situation, which uh, leads into apprenticeships and grassroots further education, um, because there has been a serious decrease in apprentices, certainly in England. In 2017, there were about 15,000 apprentices. In 2020, that had nearly halved to 7,000. And if that trend continues, they reckon by 2025, there's going to be about three and a half thousand apprentices, which is which is a huge concern because that's, wow. that's obviously the feeder for the industry. And you have to be an employer to take on an apprentice. You have to be paying what we call PAYE in the UK. And with this shift away from the traditional model to freelance, freelancers who are working independently obviously aren't going to take apprentices on at all because they're, they're working in independently. Mm. And what's actually happening is it's causing a huge vacuum now in the UK where Big earners in salons are moving out of the business to work on their own, which is leaving a huge financial gap for these salon owners to fill. They can't fill it with apprentices and students just coming out of college because effectively 
they're not up to speed enough to run their own column and obviously fill in those huge gaps. So we're sort of heading in towards a perfect storm <laughs> with the whole yeah. situation in the UK. Now, COVID accelerated this situation by five years. This this shift was happening, but it wasn't as noticeable. There was a bit of an undercurrent of, of people wanting to change the way the the work life balance with the hours that they do, weekend working. I think just everything that you when you look at the traditional working in a salon model where Sunday, Monday was your weekend effectively, uh, the, the whole situation's changed. Mm. It really has uh, a, a seismic change. And the reason that people want to work for themselves there's thousands of different reasons. It's not mm. just something, you know, that's happened overnight. It's just that the situation has changed. Uh, they had this two year period with COVID where there was obviously with the lockdowns where in the first one was fabulous because everyone was getting paid and it was in the summer. And it was actually, you know, the first time in a long time in the UK that the sun decided to come out. And mm -hmm. I think they just completely reevaluated the work-life balance. And from that point onwards, there has been this steady move away from a safe, secure job within a salon, working in a, you know, a community with all of the education that goes with it, mm. to either a chair renting, situation or a space renting or contracting or income splitting there's lots of hybrid models of the way that people have either moved out of a salon into a space or the salon has had to adapt to the financial situation with people moving out of their business um where, where effectively it's had a you know, a really negative effect on not just the morale generally, but on their finances. Mm. And in the UK at this moment in time, everything is going up. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not even the fact that it's levelled out. Everything is going up in cost. Um, traditionally, when people were moving out of salons, the people who won were the landlords because they went and opened another salon somewhere, so it was uh, it was it was never the salon owner that was going to win in this, and the model really hasn't changed since the forties, fifties, and sixties. It's a it's mm. been a model that's that sort of worked in the eighties. There was mobile hairdressing, sort of was recognised as as that was not so much a movement, but it was something that was building and i think the two have lived together literally up until covid uh where this huge explosion into freelance has has now uh, taken the market and stats that were given in the uk it, potentially they think it could be up as high as 70 percent now which mm. is huge huge numbers and and it's something that you can actually now see on a weekly basis where people you... with different situations 
and they're just trying to figure out how to react. And, and it is mm. a financial, um, financially driven. As much as people say it's a work-life balance, there's definitely a, uh, I think the finance, I think the people who are moving into freelance feel that there's more money available in freelance. Um, I think salon owners, if you've owned a salon for a number of years, with all the pressures that go with employing people, um, which are normally unseen, and everything else that goes on in the background to actually keep that business running. And then there's obviously all of the education required to keep everybody up to speed with the latest techniques and skills. If you look at the freelance model, they they really don't have, have that support system in place at the moment. Mm. I think it will change with yeah. regards to, um, be, because of the size of it now, it's some something's got to something's got to change where hairdressers like to be together normally <laughs> in my yes. understanding they like to move around in gangs in communities and uh yeah to work together so working in isolation is not for the faint-hearted mm. it can look good the immediate effects can look good where you're not employed and you've your time is your own and if you don't want to go in on a Tuesday you don't go in on a Tuesday but ultimately you know if it was a financial move you know unless you start doing the correct things it will impact it will impact on your uh, your credit rating going forwards for the things that you want to buy going forward so I don't know mm. whether the whole of the UK is moving to a rental <laughs> with regards to cars, housing and everything, but it, there is a seismic shift that, that we're still figuring out how to deal with this. Yeah. I mean, I know, uh, you know, obviously I've just come back to Australia and, uh, you, know, you know, I speak to a lot of hairdressers still um, that I'm connected with, but um, even some of the most premium salon owners that, you know, used to have huge teams, uh, you know, they they can't find staff, and now they're considering actually going out and doing freelance themselves. Yeah, this is, and uh, it's like it's it. Yeah, I don't think anybody could have predicted this. We've had um, in the last year, we've had Nikki Clark's Mayfair salon close, which yeah. you know that that's been an iconic brand forever. Charles mm -hmm. Burton is about to close its doors in Covent Garden as well. Wow. Um, and again, you can't go into the specific details of what's happened within those businesses, but the situation has compounded it to the point where they've decided it's time to hang up the scissors, which is I think it's a sad thing just generally, mm. but you know, obviously we've got to give the next generation the chance now to come through and, uh, you know, put their name forward and who's going to be the next Trevor Sorby, the next Nicky Clark, the next Charles Worthington. I currently don't know who those people are going to be because they're not really going to open a salon mm. in the current situation. They're going to be an independent 
uh, they might work as an ambassador for a big brand, but whatever they're going to do, it's highly unlikely in the financial climate that they'd, they'd want to go and stick their name on a lease for 25 years in a mm. high profile area in the, in the UK. Mm. So I, I can't see a way forward at the moment for the traditional model to grow. Yeah. So do you think that, you know, I guess, I mean, we don't have a crystal ball here, but I mean, I know, you know, COVID hasn't just affected our industry, it's affected many other industries. You know, I speak to other friends of mine that, you know, maybe work in hospitality or other industries where they are also struggling to find staff. I think um, for our industry in particular, I, I see um, even the consumers changed definitely on how they how they want to work you know how, how they you know how they um I guess uh look for a hairdresser is it's very digital these days now as well the, um, the, the consumer has never had as much information at their fingertips to make a decision mm. uh, and and as each year goes by and the technology in people's hands grows that makes it harder and harder for the high street specifically mm -hmm. to survive in 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 the guise that it has done for the last 30 or 40 years. Um, you can't get a haircut online yet, Stephanie, <laughs> which, no. is, which I'm sure a quarter of a million people will say thank God for that in the UK. Um, but from a retail perspective the online side certainly that that was where the damage started in traditional mm. hair salons where people could buy the professional products online that started um, a number of years ago with a brand called look fantastic that uh, was started by a a guy peter crown who owned uh, about 10 or 11 salons at the time and he built that up with his son and his family, and it was purchased by the Hut Group, who was a big online yes. retailer. Um, and we know this is the way of the world. You know, we 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 totally get it. This is the way of the world. This is how this is how things get swallowed up. But the the, the poor old hairdresser who had to be on the high street prior to the internet because they had to be visual. They had to be in the prime location to get the passing trade. Um, that's all changed mm. dramatically. Yeah. And, and the consumer, as you say now, is is all powerful. <laughs> um, they, they, they either vote with their thumbs and tongues or vote with their feet now very quickly. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that quick that if if you're losing clients, you don't have the time to even find out what on earth went wrong? Things are actually moving at such a pace now. Yeah. When they're actually ringing up salons where it used to be a very quick call to book an appointment, it can be up to six to eight minutes now to actually talk about the service. If people are spending in between two, three, four hundred pounds on a service, they want to know absolutely everything about it mm -hmm. before they make that purchase. So yeah, wow. The pressure on the pressure on the salon owners is just immense. Mm. 
immense. And um, I think again with the product companies, the big product companies were again through COVID. There was won't mention any names, you know, explaining how to do colour and touch ups at home and whatnot. That certainly hasn't helped the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that you shouldn't do that at all, but it certainly it certainly hasn't protected the the professionals. Mm. So they're coming under fire from absolutely every angle. And they're just wondering where the next hit's going to come from. So it's uh, mm. it's something that we're looking at at the fellowship. Um, you know, we we don't we're we're all about creativity. But for creativity, you need the revenue to actually go out and do these things. You know, if you want to enter into all of the awards and the competitions, it, it costs money to do. Of course, yeah. It's not the bottom line. So it's um, this is this is something I think we're in the middle of at the moment and it won't be going away anytime soon. No, and I think that's the thing, you know, there is so much change happening. And we have to kind of be open to the change, but then I guess morph into what this new change looks like, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think because it has, you know, as you said before, it's been the same for so long and we don't know what the new normal will be, but, you know, we need to kind of adapt and work with each other I guess, um, you know, we've talked a lot about this, Barry, over the time about community and working together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's not a it's not a problem that you and I can fix on a call. Nope. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, it's a whole industry, I guess, that needs to band together. And, you know, I was talking to someone just the other day about this as well, is, you know, a lot of the apprentices that used to come into the industry were coming from uh, parents that were hairdressers Yes. pushing them into the industry but now they're saying no we don't want you to be in this industry and they're moving them out they're, ac- they're actually talking them out of it which is the problem that we've got so we've we've got a yeah. uh, a college initiative um with the fellowship with our centers of excellence and again you know i'm going to hold my hands up here the easiest thing for me to have done would have just pulled a duvet over my head and just hoped it would have gone away but it, it is not going to go away there is mm. fundamental issues either from a technical point of view or from a soft skills point of view with communication in in colleges that needs addressing this is not finger pointing this is an opportunity for the fellowship with the the people that we can draw on to go in because what's happening is these these kids are coming out of college and the local businesses are saying that they're not salon floor ready they're not they're not ready to earn they either have to undo what they've been taught or it takes them another year to get them up to speed so we felt it was best to actually try and get all the stakeholders around the table and look at this at source with the lecturers in the colleges with the students with the local businesses I think a big factor that nobody really wants to sort of pinpoint is the time it takes to get trained now. We're seeing lots of things appear online where you can become a hairdresser 
or a barber in a week, you know, or something, take an online course and away you go with a sharp object and chemicals and it's, uh, yeah, fill your boots. And that's, that's not the answer at all. Mm. Uh, keeping the students in the colleges for longer is also not the answer. So there's got to be somewhere in the middle where there's an agreed time span and the actual lecturers are familiar with what's going on on the high street in salons and that the salon owners understand what's going on in the colleges and whatever those skills gaps are everybody knows what they are just actually agree them and put a plan in place to actually try and put it right which is we're going to try and do this with one college we're just going to try and get one right Mm -hmm. and as much help as it we as as we can at it with the object being that the children who are coming out the students have a job to go to mm. that they understand that there are some very very successful people in hairdressing especially in the uk um mm -hmm. and that means getting something in place in colleges then we can go back in schools to talk to the careers advisors and the parents, this is the 14 to 16 year olds, and actually say, no, this, this is a solid career. Here are some, mm -hmm. some very successful people. And I don't mean just financially, because most people just look at it. How big's your house? How many cars have you got? And uh, what holidays do you go on? That's the normal top three things that get measured. But um, there's people who've got really long sustained careers that have just developed as they've got on with the opportunities that they've had. Mm -hmm. and I think um, the fellowship's been a very closely guarded secret in the UK for 75 years. It's done some absolutely fantastic work bringing people through, upskilling people. Um, but we're just trying to show now that the doors are completely wide open to every sector of the industry. And the point that you made before is that we don't want this to fragment anymore. It's not freelance versus salon owners versus barbers. They're all professional hairdressers. Mm -hmm. They've all existed before. So we need to figure out how the salon is going to reinvent itself going forwards. Yeah. Because fundamentally, they are the ones that are suffering at the moment and that they need the help. Absolutely. And um, brings me to another conversation I had the other day about this exact point was, you know, a lot of these uh, freelancers don't have an education plan, you know, or, or any, um, yes, you know, where will their future, yeah, yeah, their future learning. Um, and uh, we were talking to a salon the other day and I said, you know, maybe it will get to a point where a salon instead of hiring someone will charge them to train <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's already happening yeah exactly yeah it's crazy and, and, but the, also... and the thing is for the consumer Stephanie which also people you know we, you've actually got to think about the client at the end of it the, because there's a client in here somewhere who's actually paying for all of this when they're now walking into a salon they don't know whether everybody's employed Half of them are employed. None of them are employed. 
because visually if you all look at them and they're wearing the same outfits and using the same products and talking the same way you just assume that you're going into a you know a normal salon situation that's no longer the case yeah and again i do think people do follow their stylist I'm a, you know i'm a firm believer that you know a, a lot of clients follow their stylists when they move around so this is something that's been happening forever and is is not going to stop in that way but, yeah but the actual way that the models are currently working something's got to give somewhere to enable them to coexist yes because they can't coexist next door to each other and the salon owners feel that this is basically disguised employment that's working next door which is another rock in the garden that I'm sure nobody wants to go and lift up but <laughs> no, it's gonna it's gonna get lifted at some point um and, and I can understand it from a salon owner's point of view and a freelance point of view but they've got to be able to coexist going forwards yeah and work and together again, and, and also the clients you know a lot of them go and have the if, if a traditional dwell time in a salon if you look at dwell time in retail it could be anything from 40 seconds to five minutes where you walk in in a shop and walk out in a salon if you're going for color you could be in there up to three to four hours so mm -hmm. you know that's potentially half of your working day and under normal circumstances most people want to switch off outside of their working day and go somewhere nice to relax so i don't think the salon model is ever going to go away it just needs to actually look at the the environment it's now in and the consumer how much information they've got and what they're actually looking for yeah yeah and i guess you know you're you're exactly right there you know who is who is the client at the end of the day and what do they need mm. Yeah. yeah, which it, I think sometimes it does, it does get a bit get, like, get forgotten. Lost in the mix, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, strange. absolutely. And so, yeah. Barry, I know um, the fellowship's doing a lot of work in and around this, you know, undercover. I guess yes. I would say, um, you know, we've been we've been talking about little bits and pieces that you've been doing. Um, you know, you've you um you, you're super passionate about this. Um, I know that through our conversations and. Um, you know, I can I can see that you are definitely going to be one of those people that have put your hand up to to do well, something I at think, least. I think stick your head up over the trench is what it's called, <laughs> to be quite honest. Or yeah. if I stepped forward, everybody else stepped back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so maybe just talk about you know what what you guys are doing and and uh, yeah, elaborate a bit on that. Yeah, with the fellowship, I mean, it's been a, um, you know, I, I think it would be safe to say COVID nearly killed it. It was just absolutely everything stopped. Um, and fortunately, the three in the, in the year previous, we were, were setting up our own digital platform, which I have to say, if we hadn't had that in place at the time, uh, we wouldn't have been able to communicate with our members and with the with the wider industry so we were we were lucky in that respect but again uh through covid that's given us the opportunity to look at the whole of the business 
we've completely restructured it now with um, a more streamlined executive board who actually have roles, things that they're 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 passionate about and what their skill set is like, whether it's business, education, finance, what what whatever they can bring to the table. Because these these people are volunteers, Stephanie. You yes. know they're they're not getting paid to do this. It's um, the fellowship is unique that way that everybody mm. does all of the mentoring work the photographers it's it's just unbelievable that everybody gives the time for nothing mm. um from an education point of view it it well we started the fame team in 1993 so next year wow. 30th anniversary which is wow yeah quite 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 frightening where that where that time's gone um and the projects that we run with club star which is for our 16 to 25 year olds we had project x project color and the last one that was brought on was project men they're all starting not starting to evolve they're being rebooted now for the, you know the next generation that are coming through and we've added three new projects uh, for next year, which is Project Sassoon, working with Sassoon, which is absolutely another Incredible. iconic brand, which is fantastic. Project Afro, which is bringing in all of the curly and the textured hair styles, and that's just so that needed. Long overdue, long overdue, mm -hmm. bringing a whole new audience into the fellowship. And Project Extend, which will be of interest. Mm -hmm yourself yes. which is all about uh all her extensions and all the different solutions and all the different providers so the fellowship is brand agnostic we work with yes. with everybody that is the that's the unique thing about us we uh we don't steer people anywhere the door is completely wide open no matter who you work with you can come in and learn about other other yeah. brands other techniques um are Projects were doubly oversubscribed this year, which was just fantastic, which is just so great. It's 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 so people want face to face contact, face to face education. Yeah. Um, that that's never going to go away. We are now might be something you might be able to help us with with the online side is, um, you know, we'd like to extend this out to a wider audience. And we're just trying to figure out how we can best do that without diluting the offering that we've got but there's yes. so many people who want a piece of this we're just trying to figure out how how on earth we can get that out there so that's something that we're looking into next year our awards yeah. had a bit of a reboot uh, mm -hmm. we had a couple of additional categories in there again entries came in from all around the world it's it it's with, with so with the fellowship entering the awards the biggest independent awards event you don't have to be nominated anyone can take part as long as you remember in any of the categories which is which yeah, i think is what it's all about and this year just saw lots of new names lots of new faces um and it it is like a breath of fresh air to see the new yeah. one through um we've got a big project i've mentioned it with the centers of excellence but 
connecting with 16 to 25 year olds now because we're very top heavy with iconic hairdressers, which is yes. I'm sure lots of people would give the right arm for, but we're trying to get the balance right with the ones who are coming through. We've noticed there's a bit of a bit of a disconnect with possibly the ones that are top end are just too far away for them to think, how can I get there? So we need to find some middle ground for them, some things to aim for, something for them to work towards. So we're putting a pathway in place where you can see literally from cradle to grave. We've got some 16 year olds who came along to the uh, luncheon two weeks ago and said, I want to be president. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, very which is, cool. Which is absolutely fantastic that they can actually see, you know, there is a way through for or ordinary hairdressers to get to the top positions if you imagine in the industry so it's uh it's very cool yeah it's it's a huge huge transition we're going through at the moment um it's 75 years old rome wasn't built in a day um no. you know it's um i did put a, a message out at the luncheon saying for anybody who wants to get involved, who wants to help, just get in touch. And there's been a constant stream over the last couple of weeks of some really big names in the industry who are offering their time. Wow. Which is just absolutely fabulous. And um, if you could bottle it, it would be worth a fortune. So, uh, you know, a lot may continue. And so, Barry, um, you know, for all our listeners, you know, if, if you know, because we'll have all sorts of uh, hairdressers listening to this uh, podcast, you know, how, how can they get involved? I know the fellowship's got a real view on, on uh, wanting to become more of a global yes. um, platform. Yeah. You know, how, how can people from around the world, uh, you know, um, get involved, basically, and, and what, what's on offer for them? Well, we've got our launched our new website um, last month. Uh, both apps, the Apple and um, Android apps, are now live. There Congratulations! Is free, yeah, no, that's only taken seventy-five years, Stephanie, to get that website built. So it's uh, <laughs> forty-seven thousand people involved and a couple of dead bodies. So we've actually got there. Um, <laughs> this is now going to be our global focal point for people to actually make contact with us. There is something on there called the vault, which is our digital vault, which is all of the collections, all of the stuff over the years, the, the history of the fellowship with those wow. names like Vidal Sassoon, Trevor Sorby. The list is absolutely endless. So we are building a digital vault that people can use as a resource which will be quite unique. Um, And all of our commercial sponsors and brand partners will be able to submit digital content for our knowledge, which is uh, where that's our education platform. And literally you just have to join as a member. It's, It's that simple. It's a monthly subscription for anybody outside of the UK. It's I think it's £10.95, so that's, uh, you know, it's two cups of coffee and and you've got access to absolutely everything you could ever want. And it's wow. built built by the members 
for the members, Stephanie. So it's it's ultimately we're constantly asking the members what they want to see, who they want to see doing it. And we literally get in touch with those people and we film the content and we and we just keep adding that to the uh, to the whole breadth of what we can offer everybody. So fantastic. I mean, this is exactly what all of these individual stylists need. And, you know, I know for Australians, I'll speak on behalf of Australians, but we've always really looked up to, um, you know, the UK in terms of hairdressing. Uh, so it's super yeah. exciting to have a resource like that. I think, you know, for, for anyone to be able to access, I think that's that's a game changer. It's 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 huge for us. And talking about a fellow Aussie, we did have David Manor over at the luncheon and he yes. got his fellow with honours. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, he's uh, he's now um, definitely been indoctrinated into the fellowship. And again, you know, we're, we're looking to build our relationship with Australia. Um, I think there's we're at the start now to be quite I think we've just about got onto the monopoly board and we're at go so uh, with the with the website in place with the communication channels in place um, that's going to help us engage with people a lot faster and a lot quicker um, yeah and be able to grow this yeah and I think you know what I love about this is you know I think for a lot of hairdressers they probably think that the fellowship is a little bit out of their reach um, and possibly which is, out of date, Stephanie, as well. It's, yeah. Yeah, which I know, you know, from our conversations, you guys have been doing a massive transformation around that, um, which I think is so exciting for, you know, to see and, and, and watch the changes and the updates that are happening. So for any hairdressers out there that are thinking the fellowship was out of date and not, um, uh, you know, not something that's achievable to get in touch with. This is a great opportunity for you guys to log in and and check it out. I think it's a great initiative. And um, Barry, you know, I've had some great conversations with you. I think you're doing some really great things there. And you. uh, you're surrounded by some incredible people uh, yeah, that are also fantastic. exactly that are also helping helping you um, along the journey. So uh, no, I think it's 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 super. It's super incredible what you guys are doing, and I think it's the start of what the industry needs to do this huge change. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'd just like to again thank you, you know, and your your listeners. It's this is this is like I say, this is just this is the start. Now we've been talking for nearly two years, so it's yes. uh, you know it's uh, I think people want to see some action now, so it's. Um, you know, we've actually got to get out there and get these things sorted. Yeah, I agree. Well, you've got to start somewhere, Barry, and you're doing a great job. And I want to thank you so much for coming to join us on the Pleasure. podcast today. Um, as as we say, you know, uh, the podcast is called Cutting Through the Noise for a Reason. We want to bring out some, op you know, conversations, have some real chats. And, you know, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do that today and, and being open and honest. Thank you. Uh Absolute pleasure. You're welcome. Great, Barry. Well, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how do they do that? How do they get in touch with you, um, uh, Barry, through any um, Instagrams? Do you want to just let everybody know what that is? Uh, well, if you go to the fellowship website, fellowshiphair.com, yes. all of our contact details are there and you, there's 
lots of different Great. ways you can get in touch with us. That's fellowshipher.com. Great. All right. Well, you heard it first, listeners. And thank you again, Barry. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you soon. And have a good day in yes. um, in cold eight UK. Eight o'clock in the UK. <laughs> the sun's just coming. Well, no, the sun's never coming up in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, I have seen it come up this year and, and during Twice. summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening and you are listening to Cutting Through the Noise and my name is Stephanie Mason. Thank you and have a great day. Bye.